Have you ever wondered how to treat your brain like it's chat GPT? And how you can start to ask it better questions? Well, in today's episode, we go into just that. I got to interview James Bracken. James is the host of the Top 1% podcast, the You Can Too podcast, and a personal coach helping people get to the root of their self-sabotage so they can reach their next level of their life, both personally and professionally. In this episode, we go into so many different things from how he's able to get top podcast guests. We also go into making investments in yourself, asking yourself better questions, picking a different path than most people, and so much more. My name's Sophia. Welcome to the shit show of my 20s. My goal is to make your 20s a little less of a shit show. So without any further ado, let's get started. Thank you so much, James, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. I'd love to start. So tell me about your 20s so far. Include shit show moments, the most memorable ones. (laughs) And let's start there. Yeah. Well, as you know, I just turned 20 about a month ago, less than a month ago. It feels like I'm 40 and 15 at the same time. I'll make that make sense. I feel like as you age, and I'm starting to realize this, the more I grow up, the more I feel like I look back on me being in high school as like, I remember when I was in like ninth, 10th grade and I looked at people that were in like 12th grade, like they were like so much older. And now I'm looking back and I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm so young when it comes to just, it's just different perspectives and everything, but I surround myself with older people. So I think for me, a a learning that I'm trying to get used to is just growing up is such a weird thing is, is, is the only way that I can frame it is I've been framing that for like that for a while. It feels weird, but yeah, (laughs) so that's what comes to mind immediately. Okay. So 15 and 40 at the same time. Yeah. That's interesting. I've never heard that before. So go more into that. What do you mean 15 and 40 at the same time? In what ways do you feel 40? In what ways do you feel 15? Yeah. I mean, I guess when I say 15, I just mean like I feel like I'm still so young. But then I feel like my mind and like what I what I do, like I drink black coffee in the morning. You said you were hitting the gym before this. Like I'm getting up at 530. I'm hitting the gym early in the morning. I'm literally the only people I see at the gym are older people. Um, most of the people that I speak with, whether it's on my podcast or like in their 40s, 50s, 60s, like have already had massive success in multiple different things. And so I feel like the people I surround myself with are older, but then I still feel like there's still part of me that's like still so young and like can't even recognize that I'm 20 already. I feel like when I look back, 20 felt so old and now I'm 20 and I feel like I have obviously I have so much more to go, but it's just, uh, yeah, I think that that's it. That's, that's what I mean by that. Okay. Cool. And like, have you had any like shit show moments so far 20? Or is there one that you could think of in your teenage years that really like stands out to you? When I think of Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of them. I feel like life in itself is a whole shit show moment. It's just like a whole figuring it out. I think that's one. And this isn't maybe the answer you're looking for. But this is what comes to me is like, I feel like so many of us are going through life, like thinking that we're gonna one day figure it out. Like I felt like I was gonna eventually figure out like I see an adult and I look it up, I look up to them like, oh, they got it figured out kind of thing. And I'm surrounding myself with those kind of people and they have no idea what they're doing. And so I think uh, a shit show moment in itself is life of just the figuring it out of never really having it all figured out by any means and literally just going through life like I'm going to just figure like the whole purpose of life is just figuring it out. You're never going to have it all figured out. I think that's been like the the shit show moment in itself was like recognizing that coming coming to that and like almost trying to be better at accepting that because that's a hard thing to accept, I feel like. Hmm. 
That's so reassuring when other people say that because you always feel like you're alone in that thought and then you're like, oh, wait, like they feel the same way. Wonderful. So going into harder to accept that thought or accept that reality, I feel like different things can happen and like it could be harder to accept those things. I'm curious, like your process of trying to accept something that's really hard to really be able to accept. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, a lot of it is just gaining other perspective like you said, like, it's it's hard to recognize that. Like, I feel like sometimes because I, I work online remotely completely. So like I said, I don't surround myself with people that are my age, because I just were in completely different, like, not even just mentally, but just like completely different phases. And so I feel like for me, it's continuously getting perspectives from other people that are maybe more maybe have more awareness in the space of like the consciousness and how we think about life and how we want to experience life. I feel like I see so many people living out their life based on what they think they are supposed to do or how they feel like they, the path they should go down. And I did the complete opposite of that. And so I feel like, yeah, it is it is affirming hearing other people do, to talk about that kind of stuff. And it's a big reason I started my podcast was like, I just want to ask questions to other people that are doing what I want to do or on that kind of path. Like I see it as like, I read a book and then I talk with the author and I feel like that's the coolest thing ever. I think just really always staying in a constant state of questioning rather than accepting some certain reality or this is going to be this way or this is how life is supposed to be. Just being in a constant state of like questioning if that's really true. Because I think we get so rigid in the way that we live because we we get dead set on a way of life or a way of uh, perceiving the way life is supposed to be. And it's like, that's not how life is. That's how you're perceiving it. And that's what's holding you back from like creating something different. And I think that's something that I'm continuously kind of going through, I guess. And for like, you said that you went the the path that was opposite of what you're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious for you, I feel like in order to do that, something has to happen to encourage yeah. you to be okay with going the path away yeah. from like where everyone else is going. So what was that for you? And what was the path that you ended up going down? That was yeah. opposite. Yeah. So I think the first thing that comes up to me is like losing a lot of family growing up. So the reason I I go back to saying like, I feel like I'm 40 and 15 is I lost my father and uncle both at 37 years old. And so I'm hitting 20 now. People look at me like I'm young as hell. I am, of course. But in when you put it into perspective, like 37 is not that far. You know what I mean? It's really far, but it's also not that far, right? And so seeing that was like something that really hit. But it was also, I was really young and they didn't have that big of an impact on me when they passed. What really happened and like it was kind of like a an internalization over the years was my grandfather passed a few months before his retirement. So like he worked his entire life to not even get to experience everything that we are hoping for or everyone thinks is supposed to be the path. And so I thought, why would I go down a path that I might not even get to the end and be like, oh, I'm really satisfied. I'm really grateful that I went down this path. Let me go do something that makes no sense to everyone else, but make but feels right to me. I didn't really mean to do it. So I was working at Dick's Sporting Goods at the time. And I was getting into this space of like reading books and listening to podcasts and like learning about entrepreneurship. And I thought I was going to become a real estate agent because I knew that like working for an hourly wage didn't make sense to me. Every time I was working a job that was an hourly wage, it just made me feel like I need to be doing something else right now because no matter what I do, I'm only getting this amount of money. And that just like there was so much resistance with that. So I thought real estate, that's a that's an opportunity to scale income and scale freedom and flexibility and the kind of lifestyle. I ended up becoming the youngest person in Keller Williams in my state. It was I was 
17 years old at the time. They looked at me like I was crazy because I couldn't even get my license at the point at that time. And so a few, I was surrounded with them. And I, all I did for a couple months was just take the course to become an agent by the time I was 18. And a few weeks before I turned 18, I decided real estate wasn't for me. So a lot of people would see that as like a waste of time. But it was like, that's like saying getting in a relationship that didn't work out is a waste of time. Like you could see it as that or you could see it as like, I seen what I did want and what I don't want. And I, I took the learning from it. So that was an experience in itself. I ended up on a sales call for a, a coaching opportunity, like to become a quote unquote life coach at 17. Made no sense to me still to this day. It's still like something that I'm like unlearning the fact that that, that is not a, that's not a limitation. Like I can do that. I've been able to do it. Right. So I think for me, it was, I, I hopped on a sales call to become a coach, had no idea what that meant, but I knew I wanted to help people. I knew I wanted, I knew I wanted to create freedom, flexibility, and also be able to help people in the process. Like I don't want to just do a job because it feels like this is what I'm supposed to do. I want to be able to do something that feels meaningful. And so I invested a lot of money into a coaching program. And that in itself was like me, that was the thing where it was like all the things happened in my past that put into perspective that I need to live with intention because there's only so much time we have on this earth. And then it was the investment into myself that made me commit to actually doing it because we all say we want to do stuff, but never do we like, okay, I'm going to actually put money down, like say that I'm going to commit fully to this and get into it. And so at that time, it was the most terrifying thing I ever did. I remember the day I invested the first like installment in itself was like more than I made the last two months of Dick Sporting Goods. And it was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. But in itself, the commitment was the thing that changed everything for me. And I th there's a quote that always resonates with me is that every person has two lives and the second one starts when you realize you only have one. I feel like the my second life started when I made that investment into myself and I like let go of this lesser version of myself that I always seen myself as and stepped into like, oh, I'm a person that invests in themselves and puts themselves in a position to succeed. And ever since then, I feel like I'm a completely different human almost. And that's kind of what got me down this path and a rant. I love that quote. I've never heard that quote before, but it's yeah. so powerful. Yeah. And I feel like at the those moments where it's like, it's two months worth of income, like paper, like it doesn't necessarily make sense. You know, oh people God, are God. like, why would you do that? What advice do you have for someone who maybe is like coming to that point where they need to make a big investment, but all the feelings are going to come up of like, am I worthy of this investment? Is this investment really going to pay off? Like, mm -hmm. should I really be doing this? I'm curious what tips for you have you have when you're going through like that whole process. Yeah, I think the thing that came up to me, and this is the question I ask, I always go to like, uh, I've been really framing this like this recently. I've been saying this to a lot of people and it's been able to help a lot of people with like their thoughts and like the way that they hold themselves back is we have to look at our mind almost like it's chat GBT. Like if you look like, and I'll make that make sense. So a lot of us are going through life giving ourselves bad prompts. So like I grew up thinking, why is this happening to me? I asked that question. My brain's going to give me a prompt that's going to give me a bad answer because I'm asking a bad question. And I asked that throughout my whole life. I was, a, I was a victim to my circumstances, lost a lot of family growing up. Why is this happening to me? Well, I don't deserve father figure. I don't deserve people in my life. I don't deserve happiness, all this kind of stuff. There was a day when I asked, how is this happening for me? Brain automatically gave me a different prompt, uh, a different answer. And so like, I'm getting a different answer. I'm going to take different action. I'm going to live a different life, have a different experience. And so when you ask a different question, it really will, it, that changed the direction of my life in itself. So what a lot of people are asking is what happens if this fails? Well, your brain's going to give, it's going to give you an answer. But the question that I asked myself was what's the detriment of not taking action? And so when I think of what's the detriment of not taking action, I think of getting to the end of my life with regret. I'm going to get to the end of my life questioning what could have happened. Like, do you want to get, I always ask like, do you want to get to the end of your life of like, what if, or uh, I'm glad I did. It's like, what if this happened? Or I'm, I'm glad I did it, even if it were to fail. And so like the, the investment in myself, like I always say is like, 
there wasn't anything in the program that like changed everything for me, but it was like literally the investment in itself that's changed the way that I looked at myself and I showed up for myself. And so for people that are like questioning, should I make this investment? It's like, don't even think about like, if you're going to get something from it, just think of the way that you're going to look at yourself after you do it. Because I've seen that time and time again with like clients that I've worked with specifically is like, it literally is the first call is the most powerful call because it's like, they just spent multiple thousands of dollars into working with someone. Now you're, you, you, you put it down, you've, you've committed. And that's really at the end of the day is what holds most of us back is we like, we kind of commit. And then when you kind of commit, when you like, when you treat something like a hobby, you're gonna get paid like a hobby. If you treat something like it's an actual job, like you're gonna get paid like it. And that's for anything in life. When you really fully commit to something, changes actually start to happen. But most people don't really fully commit. Hmm. I love this whole like prompt chat GPT idea. Right? Like I never thought of it that way. Yeah. So it's like literally we're typing whatever question like in our brain. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the answer, that's so interesting. Okay. So what questions should we be asking? Like what are some questions that we should start asking ourselves? Yeah. I think the first one that I, I said earlier is like, how is this happening for me? And I think of that in like every frame of life. I literally got a morfati tatted on my leg in which that pretty much means is love, love of fate in Latin. And it's a stoic concept that I really like. And I think it's important to take into perspective because a lot of us, the reason that we're not happy or we're not finding a life that's fulfilling is because we're not, we're resisting the way of life that's, that is that is happening, right? So like, say for example, like a lot of people are trying to get past a current state of life, but they're dealing with the same problem. So let me make that make sense. Is like life's gonna keep teaching you the same lesson until it's learned, right? You've heard that before. I feel like many people have heard that before. But it's like you can smack your you can run into a wall a thousand times. And until you like literally just change your direction, you're going to stay exactly where you are. And so question I like to ask is like, how is this happening for me? Because it helps me give a different frame on like, okay, this is a current challenge that I'm struggling with. I'm having a lot of resistance towards this. But let me think like three years in the future, like, how could this be serving me? It's like the way I put it into perspective is if something bad were to happen to you today, but it led to something amazing for you in the f- in three years in the future, would you still consider it as bad? Like probably no, right? Like you're not going to consider it as bad, but we have such a small time horizon on the way that we look at things that it holds us back from being able to see like, what could this lead to? But we're so dead set on the current problem that we're faced with that we don't recognize that like problems replace problems. Like you're gonna always going to have problems. You just have to figure out problems you want to deal with. And so asking that question uh, in itself has been thing that's changed my life the most but another one is the the detriment question is like what's the cost of not taking action because we always think of the cost of taking action we we're we're afraid of failure we're afraid of uh, embarrassment of judgment of all of the things that our ego wants to be afraid of but like really put it into perspective if you were to die tomorrow would you be stressing about being caught in traffic would you be stressing about the person that's judging you or like whatever you like when I stepped into becoming a coach I had all the judgment in the world and I just felt it like I'm 17 years old I'm stepping into becoming a coach I had no idea what I was doing but at the same time it helped people that were in the same program that I was in actualize what they could do because they seen someone that was younger than them doing it and so I think like yeah I think that's that's what comes up for me Mm. I'm just laughing thinking about like the same how life shows you the same problem Mm. over and over again if you don't learn the lesson and like I was just thinking about that and the problems but what I'm curious for you like when you started getting into this program at 17 like so young you're probably thinking like I haven't experienced enough life yet I haven't had enough success yet like whatever it is 
thoughts going through your head. How are you able to still do it even with like not having like on paper, like all the experiences, like being older, being able to have all those things to lean on? Yeah, I think the thing for me was when I first went into it, I seen my age as like a limiting factor. Like it was like, okay, so I'm young. So people aren't going to take me seriously, blah, blah, blah. The older I've gotten, the more I've realized that being young is like a superpower, like because because no one else is doing it. And so like me doing it is what makes me stand out. I think the thing that helped me like show up anyway was like literally the investment, like the investment entirely was seventy five hundred dollars. So three payments of twenty five hundred dollars. I didn't have three grand in my bank account. So I had to make it happen. And so having to make it happen, putting my back against the wall and like, okay, this is I've I fully committed like I'm working at Dick Sporting Goods, but I'm about to leave. I left after a year. And it was like, this is going to be the thing that I lean into. I have to make it happen. And so, for example, like we would hop on um, like enrollment calls or like um, stuff to like really get better at working with people and figuring out how you can uh, create an outcome that makes people want to work with you, et cetera, et cetera. Every single time that we had an opportunity to like be the first person to raise your hand and like get put in the fire and like actually show up in front of maybe we're on a Zoom call with 50 people and people are afraid of like actually putting themselves out there. I was the first one raising my hand. I was like, I just spent $7,500. Like I'm, I'm going to get all I can out of this. But so many people let themselves like their ego just hold them back. And so I, I, I realized that and it was like my me being naive and just me being like open and, and my ability to just put myself out there was a the thing that helped me like really succeed. And I was one of the most successful people that ever went through the program. And to this day, people still come to me about that kind of stuff. And it's like, like thinking I have some secret code or how'd you do it? And it's like, I, I literally just was the first one raising my hand. I was the one putting myself in that position to see to fail so that I can get the feedback that I needed to go and do it better. But I think when we see failure as final or we see failure as like a part of ourselves, especially in like even as a as a podcaster, like you can get really caught up in the numbers and like this isn't growing or all the different things. It's like, yeah, but failure is like feedback. And th that's a reframe that I've changed is like instead of seeing it as final or a, a representation of who I am or my self-worth, I've seen it as a part of me to help me improve. Like we see failure and success as two different roads, but success is just further on the road of failure. And so like when we see that, that's been the frame that I've been able to see it through because I have no other option. Giving yourself another option really puts you in that position to be like, fuck, I got to find a way. Hmm. I love that you said we think they're two different roads, but they're not. Because in my head, I do think that as well. Yeah. You think like it's like it has to be like a whole different path. Like I must just not be on that path yet. Such a good point. And with the clients that you start, I'm curious, okay, how long yeah. did it take you to get your first client? And then from there, what did you notice is like the common themes of, that all your clients kind of struggle with? Kind of funny. And this is this goes back to like the me being young as a superpower because I've been able to work with people from literally the ages of nine to 43. So the first client that I ever worked with was uh, a son of one of the people's uh, of one of the moms in the program. So like I said, I put myself out there. I was going to be the one raising my hand, putting myself in the position to see how I can improve, get my social media uh, looked at and all that different kind of stuff. They seen that. She seen that. And she said, you'll probably resonate more with my son than a 35-year-old therapist would. That's a woman, right? So like, obviously that worked out. So that was my first client. After that, the first actual client that I, I actually worked with and like, I guess, sold on a call kind of thing was a 25-year-old man 
I think the the thing and like I've worked with a 43 year old woman that's had a massive business. I've worked with like so many different kind of people, which is like they're all in different positions. And I always thought about that. Like, what's the similarities that I've worked with all the people? I think the thing that I help people with and I think a lot of people need us is someone to believe in you more than you believe in yourself. Like, I think a lot of the time, like you said, like you see success as a a different path than failure. And we get so like caught in this binary of like uh, good or bad, uh, this or that kind of thing. And it just doesn't it doesn't help us in any way. And so when you're able to get a different perspective, on your own problems or your own situation and just have someone ask you a bunch of questions to make you think differently about your own situation. It's going to cause you to take different action and get different results. Um, so I would say that the number one thing is like just the reason I started my podcast was was for this too is like if we don't believe something is possible, we're not going to take the action to make it possible and it's going to reinforce this belief that it's not possible and we stay stagnant. And so if we could just reframe our beliefs about ourselves and about the world and what is possible for us, we'll, we will automatically create a different path by being able to see it. And so I'm able to help people see things in a different frame um, that allows them to take different action, get different results and ultimately uh, create a different life. And I'm curious, like for like the women that you've worked with, what do you notice they particularly struggle with the most that maybe is more like female specific or if it's maybe not even different? Yeah, for you? I think the first thing that comes up for me is the fear of success. So there's three core fears that people deal with. The fear of judgment, fear of failure, and fear of success. They all intertwine, really. Like, I think we all have a part of ourselves that's a part of it. I'll use the example of the woman that I worked with that, like, is the first person that comes up for me. She was a 43-year-old woman. I was 18 when I started working with her. Had no, I couldn't tell you why she decided to work with me, but she did. We worked together for about six months. So prior to working together, she had an idea of a to write a book for about almost a decade, eight to nine years. That was in her mind for a long time. And she pretty much had it all done. All she had to do was really get in the habit of like finalizing it and marketing it, getting it into like all the place that she wanted to, doing events and all that different kind of stuff. But the level that she seen herself as was a person that couldn't do that. Like not so much couldn't do that, but maybe the next level of what she, like if she did succeed, how much work does she have now? And so like taking on more, like we almost put our goals at such a pedestal that we keep it at an arm's length away because we don't see ourselves as the person that can do it. And so like, like I like to say, like, if you see yourself as a person that's almost there, you're never going to get there. And so we need to reframe the way that we feel about ourselves. And so a lot of what her, like our work together was a lot of childhood trauma, honestly, a lot of breaking through like the way that she felt about herself and why she didn't feel worthy or did feel worthy or if she even wanted to do it moving forward. Because like, if you don't want that success, she already had success. Like she had uh, a massive ATM business and already had all the success in the world. Now this was just like a passion project to make her feel like she was worthy. But the way that we had to change it was like, instead of coming at it, like of when I do this, then I'll be worthy. It's like, I am worthy. So let me do this because this is what I want to do. And so a lot of it was just reframing that around, um, herself. And that's why I think my age is such a, a power because it's like I'm able to ask the questions that she wouldn't ask herself I and mean, take a different perspective on the thoughts that maybe she's seen as like as just her truth and reframing them and re recognizing that that it was objective truth and that we need to really reframe that so that we can live a different life and uh, just at the end of the day, feel better about ourselves. A quote that I go back to that I think everyone will resonate with is all that matters is how you feel about yourself when you're by yourself. But many of us don't really feel good about ourselves when we're by ourselves. We're in judgment mode. We resent ourselves. We shame ourselves. We guilt ourselves. And so a lot of that was with her was just reframing that so that when she was working or if she did succeed or whatever it came down to, it, it wouldn't, that wouldn't be 
who she's seen herself as, like disconnect herself from the work, but more so see herself as enough already so that then she could work. And within six months, I mean, she got nominated for a Pulitzer Prize and a bunch of different other stuff. Like she was in Barnes and Noble and Amazon. She did everything that she wanted to do in such a short amount of time, just because we reframed the way that she looked at herself, she felt about herself and just took action from a different standpoint. It's like discipline. We see discipline as a form of punishment, but we need to see it as a practice. And so that's the kind of reframe that was a lot of our working together. And what's like a, what are like some signs that maybe like you should start looking into looking for a coach? To be completely honest, as a coach myself, since I stepped into like, so I stepped into coaching, learning how to become a coach, not so much like as like a personal coach. But the thing that I've recognized is like, so we have two things that are, we look at it in two ways. You either spend money or you spend time. So one's finite and uh, you only get a certain amount of it and you don't know when that ends. And the other one's infinite. It's literally getting printed every single day. There's a reason inflation's a thing. So a lot of people are afraid of spending money because money is obviously, it feels finite when you don't know how to make it. But if you understand that it's a resource that can always come back to you, it's almost like, would you rather spend 10 years thinking about doing the thing or spend six months spending a couple thousand dollars and then literally making it happen in a short amount of time, right? Like that's a genuine example of us working together. When I started my coaching business, uh, I spent the amount of money that I said, and it's like, okay, that was not only the commitment that I made to myself, but it helped me. I had all the tools and I needed, I had everything that I needed to understand what I needed to do to show up. If I didn't do that, it would have took me years to figure it out on my own. Now I hire coaches in almost every aspect of life. I have a business coach. I have a fitness coach, like, and everything that I can do, you can feel like you're doing the right things and you might be doing the right things, but sometimes you just need a few tweaks. Like, for example, like uh, I've been in the gym since I don't even remember not being in the gym. Like I've always been uh, someone that's pushed their body, played baseball growing up, played all the sports. And I tore my labrum. I had six stitches, three pins in my wrist. Like I went through it all. I always felt like I was doing the right things. But recently I've been committing to gaining weight and putting on more muscle. And so for a long time, I felt like I was doing the right things. I started working with a coach. The first call, we immediately changed my macros, the amount of calories that I was taking in. My workouts changed. I went to less workouts per week. I'm doing four instead of six to seven now. Like never would I thought, uh, never would I have thought that doing less would equate to more. But literally working with someone that has done it themselves helps me recognize like it's going to be a a much, it's a shortcut. And so I literally see coaching as like a shortcut in life. So I kind of see it as like everyone should really have one, even if it's like not at all times, but like at least for a certain amount of time, if you're struggling with a problem and you've been currently consistently struggling with it, like life's going to keep teaching you the same lesson until it's learned. You need to take a different perspective on it or you're going to stay stuck with that same problem. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to go into your podcast and I want to go into the title first. Yeah. I'm curious, why did you pick that title and what does it mean to you currently? Yeah. The thing that I, I was speaking about this yesterday. So I think we don't put into perspective enough that this world and everything that we live in in itself was built up of people no smarter than us. And a lot of the time, the the thing that hurts people is that they don't think big enough rather than like they think too small and they achieve their goal rather than thinking big and maybe not achieving their goal, but they still got higher than what they would have if they shot lower. And so I think the the biggest hurdle for people is like the 1% is the 1% because not many people can think to that level. And so if we can unlearn the beliefs about ourselves, like working with the client that I worked with, like she had to unlearn a lot of the childhood trauma 
trauma and the way that she felt about herself and the way that she looked at the world and all of that kind of stuff. A lot of that was just unlearning and unlearning all of the things that held her back from reaching that next level, unlearning that I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm not capable, all of that kind of stuff. And so I think for me, it was recognizing that and seeing that most of life is unlearning rather than like, oh, I need to listen to this next podcast because it's going to give me everything that I'm looking for. It's like, you don't need more information. You just need to unlearn the programming that was built upon you from the school system and the people that you are surrounded with that already had their own trauma and just pushed it onto you not knowingly. And so I think it's a lot of unlearning. And so I think a, a mindset that was like always going through an affirmation, I guess I told myself was like, you can too throughout my whole life. And so it was just like a affirming sentiment to myself that like, okay, someone else is doing it. I'm getting told by all these other people that it's not possible for me. But it's like, if that person can do it, what is the what's the how does it make sense? And so I, I've, I've, I've always been a state of of questioning of like, what's really possible and just the beliefs about myself that I want to unlearn and I'm consistently unlearning them. And so I think that's the that's the thing that it means for me is just like I feel like life's a constant unlearning, but many people are taking their life or their beliefs as reality when it's not. Why do you think the people in the 1% are able to think that way, but we hold ourselves we hold ourselves back from thinking that way? I don't think we're aware of it to begin with. Like I had no idea what like the amount of stuff that I've learned about like say the voice in my head, like the fact that the voice in my head or the story that we tell ourselves about who we are, I had never thought about the story that I told myself. I just went through life like just living like I'm, this is just how it's supposed to be. But then there's the idea of myself, like you ever have someone look at you and see something in you that you can't see in yourself? The reason that that's, that's true is because you have a limiting idea of yourself. We all do. Like we, we wouldn't be able to live through life if we didn't have a limiting idea of ourselves. There is a construct of who we think we are. And if we go through life based on that construct of who we think we are, most of us won't be able to reach a next level because we only see ourselves as a limited idea of ourselves. And so that was like such a breakthrough for me was like, dude, like I'm telling myself a story that is literally not serving me. I'm telling myself a story about who I am and the I'm not a confident person. I'm an introvert. I'm a, I'm a person that can't create something more for myself. That didn't serve me. What if I just told myself a different story? Like I'm a confident person. I put myself out there. I'm a person that puts myself in positions to succeed. And I start acting like that and my life will literally change. And so I think like I... I wish I never went to school. I wish that was an option because I learned, I like I say this so many times on many podcasts, I learned the Pythagorean theorem probably twice and I couldn't tell you what it is. Couldn't tell you, couldn't, could never like, and I stayed after school for uh, so many different classes, like earth science. I stayed after school like every single day of 10th grade trying to understand that shit. And I will never put it into use in my life. Like the fact that I learned so many things that will never matter in my life. And then as soon as I left school and I actually started taking in books and talking to people that are like much in a much different perspective, I started to open my eyes up to like so much more that I didn't even know was there. And so it's like, we can't be, it's like we're, we're unconscious to the fact that there is something else or that there is a way. And it goes back to like the beliefs. Like if we're not aware something is a re can be a reality, well, then we can't even go down that path if we're not aware that path is an op like an opportunity, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't tell you anything from school because honestly, I don't know. I can't remember that much about science or any no. of that. But with your podcast, like if someone could only listen to two episodes, mm. what two episodes would you want that to be? Man, I just recorded one yesterday too that I would put, I would add that one on there, but uh, it hasn't came out yet. So I would say the first one that comes up for me is uh, the podcast with Derek Sivers that I recorded with. He's someone that wrote multiple different books. He sold his first company for, I think, $20 million and gave it all to charity. Uh, he's just a really, a guy that just lives his life based on 
getting rid of societal norms and just lives his life based on what he wants to do. And I think for a lot of us, we're living a life based on what we think we're supposed to do rather than what we actually want to do. Um, and that was a podcast all on beliefs, like a new book that he's coming out with. And I'll make this make sense or bring it back around is he's writing a book called Useful, Not True. And it's like kind of like beliefs. So we have to take on beliefs that are useful to us. Maybe they're not true. Say, for example, if I never seen myself as a confident person, but I started to believe that I was a confident person, I just took on the belief that I was a confident person and I acted as though it were true. Maybe it's not true. Maybe I'm not a confident person. But if I act like it, that's useful for me. If I if I'm if I take on the belief that life is working out for me, I'm going to act as though life is working out for me. I'm going to put myself in positions to succeed, to create more opportunities for myself because I believe that life is working out for me, even if it's not, but it's useful for me. It might not be true, but it's it's useful. And so taking on beliefs that are useful for us will serve us in the long run. And so that was a podcast that I really, really enjoyed. I think another one would be probably, I've done so many at this point, like I, for, I almost forget. It, I feel like it depends on the, the, the thing that you want to get better at. Because I've spoken with people that like wrote books on marketing. I've spoken with people that wrote books on trauma. So it really depends on like what you want to focus on or what you're trying to learn. That's what I would say. But that's the first one that comes up for me. Okay, cool. And why did you start your podcast? I thought of what is something that I could do that even if I made no money from it, I would still gain something from it. So the podcast, I started it off recording in my car for about 105 episodes, literally. And because I didn't have Ethernet connected in my room, so I couldn't even host anybody at the time. And so I was like, okay, maybe this is going to be, this is going to feel embarrassing because I'm pretty much speaking to myself. Maybe no one's going to listen for a long, long time. But this feels like the thing I should be doing. And I I, I think this is so funny. I, I was speaking with an entrepreneur yesterday that is like one of the top 25 entrepreneurs in the United Kingdom. And he writes books pretty much to himself. And it's like the the best book that you can read is the one that you write is what he'll say. But like, I think of that in podcasting is like most people do something because they're trying to help themselves before they help anyone else. So originally it was to help myself really. And then I thought of it in the lens of like the, the way that I wanted to get to it was if I could read a book and then speak with the author, that's like watching a movie and then speaking with the actor or actress. It's like, that's sick. That is so cool. I'm building my brand. I'm creating leverage. Like I wouldn't be able to speak with these kind of people if I didn't have a podcast, a platform to host them on. Like I had a, a guy, Chris Doe on my podcast a few months ago. An hour of his time is worth $5,000. I got it for free because I had the opportunity to have my podcast. So like I'm able to ask questions that I would want to ask the author or entrepreneur or whatever it is anyway. So that that's like something that's really, really cool. I think the, the lens that I took it from from the beginning was, is this the direction that I want to go? Let's forget about the results. Is this the direction that I want to go? And it was a yes. So that's that's kind of what brought me down this path. And I'm just a genuinely curious person. I want, I want to ask questions. I love that you did the first 100 episodes in your car. Yeah. Like what a transition oh and to be God. able to have that from the beginning. And like you've gotten like so many like well-known guests. Like you've gotten so many great guests. I'm curious if you have like a formula <laughs> or any tips for someone who either like they just want to start now or someone who maybe has had a podcast. Like what are some things that can help them be able to get more high level guests? The thing that I'd say is shoot for people you don't think you can get because I promise you, you probably can. I think the one thing I've had so many people reach out to me asking that kind of thing, like, yo, how do you get this guest? How do you do outreach? And I'm like, I just do the outreach. I just literally do it. Because while most people are thinking about who they want to reach out to, or if this person's going to say yes, I'm the one actually sending the DM or the email. It's like, just literally do it uh, at the end of the day. I had Seth go to my podcast a few months ago. 
And he's like a 21 international bestselling author. Didn't think that he'd really be on the podcast. Like it's insane that he was. I had the opportunity to speak with him. But because I sent the email, I put myself in a position to maybe make it happen. And he answered. He was one of the fat. He answered within like an hour. So like the people that they, I think people to shoot too low because they don't think they can get the higher level people. And it's like, just, just ask, literally just ask. I would say whether it's through a DM or an email or like just finding a way, maybe I have to speak with their assistant. Like I've spoken with people's assistants thousands of times, just try to get people on the show. It's like literally the, it's going to be the simplest answer, but literally just do it. Just literally do it. Cause that's the one thing that holds people back is they just don't, they don't think it's possible. So they don't do it. It's like I said earlier. Okay. And is there any particular like setup you have for that email that you know like works well or Yeah, I would say so okay. I would say like give them a reason to want to come on the show. Like give them like what's the value add for them? Like I said earlier, like so I, I had the opportunity to speak with Chris Doe, which is like he has like over two million followers on on YouTube. He's massive business, done amazing things, five thousand dollars in an hour of his time. So obviously me having on the podcast, I need to provide some kind of value for him to come on the podcast because I don't get that many views right now. It's growing, growing and growing. But for a lot of people that are just getting started, you're probably not going to have a lot of views. You're probably not going to have anything that like this is the value add for them. So think of the value add that you can add. There's not many people that's when I was 17, 18, 19, even 20, there's not many 20 year olds that have a podcast in general. That's a value add. Like I can okay, maybe I'm not going to be, maybe I'm not going to get you out to 100,000 people, but I'm going to ask questions that literally no one else is going to ask because no one else can provide my perspective. And also like make it personalized. Like why, why do you want them on your show? And why, why should they believe you? Like, like if you actually care about someone's work or you want to have them on the show, it's like, talk about what resonated with their work that makes you want to have them on the show and they'll be more inclined to do it. One other thing I would say is a lot of people send text messages. I like to send voice memos because it gives off like an energy of like, this is who I am. I actually care. Just seems more genuine. I think it comes across that way. So that, that's what I would say. And this is a question just for me, but yeah, yeah. if you were to say four people who are like, you'd really recommend having on the mm -hmm. podcast, who would those people be? For you? Yes. <laughs> It goes back to like, what are you, what are you interested in? Like, what are the, what are the topics that maybe you haven't touched on? Or what do you feel like your audience can gain the most from? I feel like I've touched on all the topics, but mm -hmm. one that tends to be pretty popular is relationships. Okay. You know, money, business. I would say those three. Okay. The first one that comes up for me isn't relationship specifically, but I recently had her on the podcast. Her name's Britt Frank. She wrote The Science of Stuck and she's a, a psychotherapist. She's a bunch of things, like a trauma specialist. She's done a bunch of stuff. I think having her on, her, her energy's similar to yours where it's like, she's one of the most professional people, but she talks and like puts herself out there like she's just a normal, another, another human. Like she's going to be able to break down really really difficult concepts for people to understand in a way that makes sense. And so I think that's one person that would might like your audience might get something from. It's like she's going to teach the stuff like we talked about a lot of the stuff that we wish we learned in school, but we didn't. That's one person. I just had a guy, Daniel Priestley, on my show yesterday. He's a top 25 entrepreneur in the world uh, or in the United Kingdom. He has four time four best selling books on business and like becoming a key person of influence. I think a lot of people want to create a different path for themselves. Like they know that the ordinary path is not a path that they want to go down, but they have no idea how to start or like what they should do. This is someone that his first company went from zero to 1.3 million in a year because he joined a startup that 
had already done something big. So I think learning from someone that's done it is really big, uh, really cool. I feel like there's so many. There's so many. I'd have to literally look at like the people that I've had on my show because it's I re- I'm recording every single week, so I almost like forget who I've had on my show. Those yeah, are the first two that come too. up for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to remember. Yeah, everyone. literally. <laughs> it's like you have to go through, go through yeah. Apple, start scrolling through. And what things have you noticed have, have helped you the most with building and growing your podcast? Yeah, I think the consistency is one thing. Like, I think I think ninety percent of podcasts stop after episode three. I think I've seen a statistic, and it's like I'm at about two hundred. I'm already set apart from so many people just because they stopped. It's like that's the the like I said earlier, like success is the same path as failure. You just keep fucking going, and most people just stop. So I'd say the consistency and getting on a consistent schedule, like every single Tuesday, you're gonna see a solo episode from me. Every single Thursday, you're gonna see an interview from me. I don't care if someone died, it's going to happen. It's going to be there. And so unless I like literally say that I'm not going to record a podcast or something like that, but like I've just dead set committed to that being the schedule that it happens every single week. I would say that. And then two would be always finding a way to make like the small improvements. Like there's a, a book that I have literally right next to me. It's called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. But I think you should sweat the small stuff in a sense that like the podcast or the guests that you have on, why are you having them on? Like really asking that kind of question. Like, are you having them on because they have a big following? Or are you having them on because you're interested in them? And I'll always have people that I'm interested in. I don't care if you have tri- a trillion followers. Like I want to be interested in you or we're not going to have a good conversation and it's not going to be valuable. And I'm going to feel like it's work rather than like it's play. So I would say like really sweating the small stuff, trying to increase like making an intro for the podcast now or adding doing better research like just always trying to find a way to be just a little bit better because that's Mm -hmm. what you have control over yeah and what what tips do you have for someone who maybe they've been building something for three years four years and the results aren't necessarily there the downloads aren't necessarily there Mm -hmm. maybe the clients aren't necessarily there and they're like looking for tips or advice to keep going and like they're kind of thinking like should i continue with this thing what should i do differently how do i like get to the next level curious what your thoughts are there yeah this makes me think of a podcast i did with james altucher who's a best-selling author and he's done a bunch of different kind of stuff he talks about doing a lot of experiments like he won't do something unless it's different like he won't make a post unless it's different than whatever he whatever he's done And so for someone that feels like they're kind of like they're spinning their wheels and nothing's changing, a lot of people would say push harder and and keep going. I would say take a step back and put your foot on the brake because obviously something's not working. It's like the thing that we said earlier, like life's going to keep teaching you the same lesson until it's learned. If you're doing the same thing over and over and over and nothing's changing, obviously something needs to change, but we don't want to admit that. We think that pushing harder is going to be the thing that's going to help, but obviously it's not. It's like you can work a thousand hours and it's not going to make a difference if you're doing the same exact thing. So I would say take a step back and see what's working, what's not working. And then also like literally just iterate, like figure out what can you do that's maybe you do the complete opposite of what you've been doing and that gets results because obviously what has been what you have been doing isn't working. So literally just doing something different as uncomfortable as that as that is and as that sounds like at the end of the day, we just we always get in our own way because we think that it has to be a, a perfect path. But it's not like take a step back. You don't you don't always need to be moving forward. I think we mistake movement for progress when that's not how it really works. Like you can be in movement, but just because you're moving doesn't mean you're moving intentionally. And so I would say like, take a step back so you can actually move forward with intention. And I guarantee that you can maybe even work less and achieve more. Like I've seen it time and time again. Mm. I love the idea of doing something opposite of what you usually do. Mm -hmm. Seeing how that goes and testing out new things. And what's something that you do every day, non-negotiable for you? 
meditation and going on a walk. So uh, if anyone follows me on Instagram or ends up doing it, you're going to see go on a walk on my story every couple days. Like I just, I reinforce it time and time again. I think we're we like a problem that I, I've had in the past is like always having something in my ears, whether it's music, a podcast, a book, uh, a movie, something is going on in my ears. And I never get to like really think, how do I feel today? Like, how do I feel about myself? Like the, the quote that I said earlier is like, all that matters is how you feel about yourself when you're by yourself. And that doesn't mean physically, that literally means like mentally, like, do you always have something in your ears? Because most people do. They're always they they wake up and the first thing they touch is their phone. It's like the first thing I do, I wake up, I hit the snooze button, or I don't hit the snooze button, I, I turn stop and then I get out of my house immediately and run to the gym because I need to like, that needs to be the first thing. So meditation has been something that like I have dabbled in in and out and again but it's been something that recently made like a it's an absolute non-negotiable every single day it's going to happen if I could work out every single day that would be it too getting in movement is but like an actual gym session like there's there's nothing better than that but yeah I would say like literally just giving yourself time alone at the end of the day to be able to just be with your thoughts and reinforce like how do you feel is this the path that I'm going down does, what needs to change? Asking yourself a lot of questions because we just don't ask ourselves enough questions to like see what's working, what's not working. Like if you're continuously doing the same thing, expecting something new, you probably haven't given yourself time to be with yourself to really see what's working, what's not working. Is this even the path that I want to go down anymore? So that's what I would say for me. And what's something you're learning right now? It could be any area of your life. Surrender. So I recently read a book called Letting Go by David Hawkins. I'd recommend it to everyone. I think a lot of us, we measure ourselves a lot. We measure ourselves where we should be. We measure ourselves off of where others are. We measure ourselves based off of where we started, how far we have to go, how tall we are, how short we are. Like we always have a measurement of something of its own sort. And it kills our happiness in life. Like happiness is expectations or reality minus expectations. But we have so many goddamn expectations in the world that it holds us back from so much. And so especially if you're doing something like a podcast or on social media and you're literally just looking at the numbers because you want numbers to go up, that's how things like are, are improving, right? But uh, being able to detach from that, being able to detach from where I'd like to be, where I think I should be, being able to detach from maybe things aren't changing the way that I want them to. Maybe I'm faced with a current problem I really don't want to be able, or I really don't want to go through. Uh, just being able to let go is a, a skill that I don't think we we take we put into perspective enough, or at least think that we have some kind of control over. Like we think that this happens, so I need to stress. So like I lose my job, I need to stress. But it's like, why can't we see that as an opportunity to like maybe do something completely different? Maybe this opens up a whole different life that you didn't think was possible. It's like we we ascribe meaning or we ascribe a certain reaction to a certain experience. And if we're able to let go of that reaction and respond to things, I think life would be a lot more enjoyable. I've definitely been able to see it. And that's why like meditations become more of a priority is like, I used to see meditation as like a waste of time. Like, oh, I could be working right now. Now I'm seeing it as like, what if I'm like moving forward in my in my spiritual growth? And this is like, an actual, I am moving forward, but maybe moving forward doesn't literally mean actually moving. I would say that that's that's something I'm learning for sure. Because as much as it's easy to understand, it's still difficult to apply for sure. This is going to be a hard one, probably. But if you were to pick the top two lessons you've learned from all of your guests, what would those top two lessons be? Hmm. I think the first one that comes up for me is that money doesn't equal success. That's the first thing that comes up for me. Like we we understand it, but we don't live it. We don't live like that. I was speaking with a entrepreneur a few weeks ago. He sold his business for $200 million. And to be able to even have a conversation with someone like that is crazy. 
but to ask him questions about like success and how he feels and all that kind of stuff. When he made $200 million, like he was the happiest and unha- and least happiest person in the world. Because like, once you've done that, it's like getting the gold medal in, in the Olympics. Like once you've done that, that's the biggest thing you'll ever do in your life, likely. So everything from that is just down. And so like any kind of quote unquote success, you need to detach from yourself. Because if you're waiting for something, whether it's money or a lifestyle or a relationship or whatever it comes down to, it's just not going to give you what you're looking for unless you can actually have it within yourself. So I would say that maybe not money equals happiness, but like just that in itself. And then second one is probably the failure thing. Like I've re I I took this on before I started the podcast of like failure is feedback, not, not anything else, but you just see it time and time again. Like the most successful people, it's not that they're not failing. They're just failing a lot more times and they're failing faster because they're failing more. They're putting themselves out there just a hell of a lot more times. And I don't want to say they don't let their ego get in the way, but they just are really committed, committed people. Like I said earlier, I think we like half commit. We say we want to do something and we kind of, we kind of do. But when you really fully commit to something, you'd be surprised of how much you can do in a short amount of time if you really fully commit. And I have a final question for you. If you were to go back in time, and I'm going to change this, talk to your 19-year-old self, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what would you want to tell him? I would say continue continue the the... the the letting go, because I think, especially as a young human, I'm always trying to get somewhere and I need to, and I, I've been continuously reinforcing it is that like, I am, I've already, I guess this is the way I'll frame it is like, you've, and this is for everyone listening, you've already achieved what you thought would make you happy. So like a few years ago, I was looking at myself like, man, I would love to be able to have a job that allows time freedom. And I'm not, I don't have a manager telling me what to do, all that kind of stuff. I've achieved that. But now I'm looking at, oh, I would love to have this in the future and in the future and in the future and in the future. And so continuously reminding myself that I've already achieved things that I once said I wanted to achieve and thought it'd make me happy, thought it'd make me, it'd give me everything that I'm looking for. But it's like, just like problems replace problems, like goals replace goals. You're always going to have the next thing that's coming up. The learning that I'm continuously trying to reinforce, and I think a lot of people would serve a lot of people, is that the purpose of life is to enjoy the passage of time, not to get somewhere. It's like, that's the kind of thing that you want to look through life is like really just optimize for life enjoyment, really. Mm, I love that life enjoyment. Because we always think about where we have to go, where we have to go next. Mm. How fast can we get there? What shortcut can we take? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. I really appreciate you. Where can we find you? Where can we connect with you? Yeah. Everywhere. James Bracken IV on any platform. And then the You Can Too podcast on any platform. Uh, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, all of them. I'll be there. Thank you. Perfect. Cool, cool. Thank you for listening to The Shit Show My 20s. I'd love if you could take a minute to leave a review on Apple. It would mean the world to me. And I will see you next time.